0: Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Two weeks ago, uh, Doug actually taught at our gathering, um, just renewing our vision of of who we are as a church. Um, It was really great to hear Matt and Megan kind of sharing their personal story, which I think renews our vision of, of who are we and, and what are we about? And really, it's all about Jesus. Um, we're here to focus on him. Um, and in that vision, since Renew's beginning, I think this has been part of our, our framework is this idea of up, in, and out. Um, that, that a healthy church community is about connecting with God, our upward relationship. And it's about being formed uh, inward, Uh, Transform our hearts, and it's about mission, that we join God in the mission of the world. Uh, And Doug kind of reframed this up in and out a little bit uh, two weeks ago. In terms of the up, we're all about seeking Christ's presence. Uh, We wanna meet Jesus. We wanna be in relationship with God and continually pursuing him because he's right here right now. And so we we wanna seek God's presence. And in that formation, how are we being transformed and formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others, for mission? That God wants us to join in his mission. And we do this by uh, increasing joy and decreasing suffering and creating beauty and sharing the good news of Jesus in word and deed with other people. Uh, And around this... And Doug shared this last time, and I don't—I don't have it on the diagram because I'm not really all that tech savvy. There's this big circle of with that all of this is with one another? And over the next few weeks, we're just going to dig into this because this is who we are. This is what we're about. Uh, and so this morning, I—I'm gonna—I want to dig into God's presence. What do we mean by that? How do we—how do we pursue God's presence? And um, I feel like. <laughs> the story that was shared and Doug's prayer, like we've already been doing this, worship together. The presence of God is a key theme throughout the scripture, if not the key theme of all of scripture. The Bible reveals to us that God's desire is to be present with us. He's present right here, Right now. There's something about that that blows me away. The God of all the universe, the God of creation is right here, right now. It's a mystery that I I can't quite explain, but I'll try. Or maybe not, I don't know. But since creation, God has sought to make his presence known to and in his creation. God longs to be present with people, with all of creation, because God desires to make himself known to us, to be in relationship with us. God loves us. God wants to be with us and wants us to be with him. So we start in the beginning in Genesis and God creates, and he's in this garden. He creates so that he can inhabit this garden with Adam and Eve. In verse 3 this is actually after Adam and Eve disobey God. It says, God was walking in the garden in the cool breeze. God was present and seeking his people. Seeking Adam and Eve, even though they were hiding from him. And we see it all the way in the end of Scripture. The story plays out in Revelation 21. John writes, apparently Revelation is a theme today. Um, I'm just going to read this and not try to explain it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. It was God's design from the beginning and it's God's goal for the end that he would be with us and we would be with him. Scripture talks about God as present everywhere. In Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So you may have heard this word omnipresent, the idea that God is present everywhere at all times and in all places, God is present. And Isaiah 6.3 says, the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. There is nowhere we can go where God is not present. of this idea that God is present everywhere, and scripture also talks about the manifest presence of God, or what scholars or theologians like to call theophanies, which is a fancy word of saying an appearance of God, where God makes his presence felt in such tangible and obvious way, seeking to clearly reveal God's self to make himself known and to communicate a specific message about himself. We see these throughout scripture talked about God manifesting his presence to Adam and Eve, addresses the their sin, actually clothes them. It's a beautiful picture. God's calling of Abraham and the covenant, where God comes in a smoke and fire and walks through these covenant pieces to reveal to Abraham the commitment God has to his people to be present with them. Or Jacob wrestling with God. Or Moses seeing this burning bush that is not consumed and meeting the Lord there. Or Mount Sinai where God is giving his laws to reveal who he is and how he wants his people to live in relationship to him. Or in 1 Kings 8 and 2 Chronicles 6 and 7, when Solomon builds this temple as a representation that God is going to inhabit this place. And at the dedication of the temple, it says, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. In 1 Kings 18 and 19 with Elijah, and Elijah sets up this altar, and he challenges the false gods to say, all right, call upon your gods to come and consume these sacrifices and nothing happens. Then when Elijah prays to Yahweh and everything is consumed and it is clear that God is God. And even after God, Elijah, experiences this, then he runs away in fear. But he goes to the mountain and then God comes to him in a still, soft, voice. God longs to make himself known to us. Another one is in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah is in the temple and it's filled with God's glory. And Isaiah is overwhelmed by God's presence. He says, I'm unworthy, but his lips are touched by the angel of the Lord to make him holy. You are worthy of the presence of God because God Deems you worthy. And these theophanies continue in the New Testament. I think of Jesus on the mountain with three of his disciples. And they are overwhelmed. Peter doesn't even know what to make of this. But all of a sudden, Jesus is surrounded by bright light. And he's in the presence of Elijah and Moses, two of these guys who have encountered God's presence in very tangible ways. Or Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes in wind and fire, these great symbols throughout Scripture of God's presence, and they're sent out to declare the good news of Jesus and to do the things that he said they would do. Or Paul on the road to Damascus, when all of a sudden he's blinded by a light, and knocked to the ground, and he hears the voice of Jesus, and why are you persecuting me, and changes Paul's life forever. So throughout Scripture, we see these pictures of God longing to make himself known. And in these theophanies, the manifest presence of God, what is demonstrated is God's desire to make his goodness and love known. To be in relationship with us. And in these, God's mission is to bring people into wholeness, to redeem them, restore them, so that they can be in relationship with him. There's an interesting tension about God's presence, that his presence, because of who God is, God's presence demands holiness. So you think about the burning bush, and God says to Moses, take off your shoes, you need to prepare to enter my presence, this is holy ground or the priests preparing and, and uh, making sacrifices so that they can be cleansed and enter into God's presence. So God's presence demands holiness, but God's presence also makes holiness. The temple by itself is not holy, but it's holy because God inhabits it. The temple is a place where people are made holy because they encounter God's presence. Or that picture of Isaiah, his lips touched by the presence of God, that he is made holy. And in these manifest presence of of God, God also commissions his people. God desires for people to join in God's mission. He calls them to be part of God's work, because in joining God's work, We better understand the heart of God. We see God's compassion, his longing for people to know him. And in joining his work, we grow into fuller relationship with him. And it strikes me that these manifest presence of God serve as an anchor for the people he calls. Think about Peter on that mountain. He says, I want to build a tent. I want to build a tabernacle so we can stay here because it's good to be here in your presence. And Jesus is like, no, 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 we're not staying here. We got work to do. And he said, don't tell anybody this until after the resurrection. This is going to be an anchor for you that you know who I am. You have seen the presence of God. So when things get really hard, remember this day when you go among the people. God's presence serves to comfort and encourage, but it also is meant to bring power. God's presence is powerful. When God manifests God's presence, it comes with great expectation that we go and share it with others. It comes with the great promise that God will go with us. And if he doesn't, then it's all for nothing. One of the theophanies that I've been reading is in Exodus 33. And Moses had been up on the mountain receiving God's law. And meanwhile, down below, the people are are creating an idol, a golden calf. And this angers the Lord greatly because they're replacing his presence with the presence of something far less. I'm going to start in verse 7 of chapter 33 of Exodus. So whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Moses, The people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent. They would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me, and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. My face will not be seen. I'll be honest, there's plenty in the story that I don't fully understand. One of the things that strikes me is that when God says to Moses, I will go with you, he's talking about going with Moses. He's ready to say, these people have abandoned me, so why should I go with them? I'll go with you, Moses. I'll go with you, Moses. But Moses understands God. He knows that God is much bigger than just him. And so Moses says, No, 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 God. You got to go with us, with all of us. As much as I love you, Lord, I know your plan is much bigger than me. You need to go with us, these are your people. For better or worse, we need your presence. And I think that Moses got that because of the face-to-face, intimate relationship that he was able to have with the Lord. And he desired that for others. Numbers 11, we see that that Moses' heart is attuned to God's heart. So he wants his presence not just for himself, but for everyone. In Numbers 11, God pours out his spirit, his presence on 70 leaders who begin prophesying. They begin declaring the word of the Lord, revealing God to other people. And then God pours out his spirit on Eldad and Medad, who prophesy. And Joshua is concerned, and he goes to Moses and says, tell them to stop, You need to be the one prophesying. And Moses says, no, 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 no. Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses longed for God's presence to be upon his people. And that's what God desires. God longs to make himself known to us for us to enter into his presence. And so if God is present everywhere, and God longs to make his presence known to us, why does it feel like God is not present sometimes? Why don't we experience God's manifest presence? What are the barriers or blinders that keep us from seeing God? or experiencing God, or noticing God? And this is not a rhetorical question. <laughs> what keeps us from experiencing the Lord's presence? What are some of those blinders or barriers? Feel free to shout them out. Believing lies. Mm. Pain. Mm. Waiting for answered prayer. Yeah, not yet answered prayer. Busyness. Yes. A divided heart. Mm. Distractions or other desires. Sorry. Pride. Not wanting to change. Yeah, I jotted some 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 down, and I, I think some of them align with what you all have shared. But obviously, I think the first one is sin. Uh, sin keeps us from the presence of God. Uh, you may have heard this, the, the biblical word for sin has this idea of missing the mark. Uh, and maybe you've heard that before, missing the mark. And I, I've often thought about that as like, okay, like God's perfection, like, you know, obeying God's law perfectly, and uh, I haven't obeyed it perfectly, so I've missed the mark. But what is the mark? The mark's not some obedience to the law. The mark is God's presence, relationship with God. So anything that I choose that takes me away from God is that sin. So that becomes a barrier. And then the difficult, the really hard part about sin is then, then we get locked up in guilt and shame and, ah, I can't go to God. (laughs) That song we sung earlier, God pursues us and makes it possible for us to come back. His kindness, he's longing to forgive us. We will turn back to him. And as we seek his presence, we begin to notice his kindness, his love for us. And it becomes easier and easier to turn back to him when we miss the mark. Some other things, circumstances or pain. When things aren't good, when things don't seem good, we're dealing with illness, sickness, pain, unanswered prayer. It can be hard to believe that a good and loving God is present when things aren't good when we experience these really hard emotions, how could God be present in the midst of those and let us feel such difficulty, such pain? But God is relational and compassionate and meets us in those places. God is beyond our circumstances, but meets us in the midst of those circumstances. Distractions and idols, I'll be honest. This thing keeps me from the Lord's presence. Often. And I recognize it's not just that. Like, that's a hard issue for me. Because that could actually be a tool to draw me into God's presence. But right now, it distracts me. Uh, David, I think he said, not wanting to change. I wrote down, attachment to our comfort. Something, sometimes things seem really good, and I don't want to change. If God shows up, he might actually want something from me. He might want to change something in me. Busyness, to-do lists, our own agenda, feeling like we've got things to do. Fear, unforgiveness, assumptions about what God's presence should look like, that God's presence should look a certain way, and if it doesn't look that certain way, then how could God really be present? But maybe God's doing something more than we could imagine or something different than we could understand. In the midst of all of this, God's ultimate theophany, his most manifest presence, is the incarnation of Jesus. God takes on flesh to reveal God's truest character, to redeem and restore people to right relationship with God. Jesus meets the demands of holiness, and his presence makes holy. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus manifests God's presence and brings people back into right relationship with God so that we can be present with him. In Jesus' presence, people are healed. The blind see, oppressed are set free. All of those blinders and barriers, Jesus destroys them. Sinners forgiven, people delivered. And Jesus says his followers will do these things also as we seek God's presence, and God's presence enacts God's mission. This is why we do church, to encounter God's presence and to manifest his presence. Ephesians 2, 17 through 22, Paul writes this, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You are a child of God, invited into God's family, invited into his house where he lives. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are God's temple. We are God's temple. God lives in us right now, right now, right now. God's presence is in each one of us. I don't even sure what to make of this, but right now, God's presence is manifesting in this place as we gather together in Christ. Wherever you're at, Whatever those blinders or barriers are right now, Jesus is here. This is why we do church, to come into his presence, because we are his presence. When we gather together, he meets us. Church is no longer just a program. It's the presence of God that we are all participants, we all bring something of the presence of God into this place this morning. And so God meets us in this place to make us holy, to transform us, formation. God meets us in this place to send us out, so that other people can experience his presence through us, mission, The living God dwells in us and manifests his presence through us wherever we go. His goodness and love is being made known in us, to us, through us. I know our kids are back, but Matt and Megan already told us that, you know what, those kids are part of that temple too. God's presence is in them. So what are the things that we do to help us practice God's presence? Worship. That is why we're here together to worship. Uh, you, I know I need to wrap up. Psalm 22.3. You may have heard this verse before. You are whole, He's talking to God. God, you are wholly enthroned on the praises of your people. Where you inhabit the praises of your people. That when we gather to lift up Jesus' name, when we gather to lift up God and declare him, the famous one, that he is present in our midst among that. This verse blows me away. You know why it blows me away? Here are the verses that surround that verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night, but find no rest. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others and despised by the people. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet in the middle of that, He says, God, you are holy and enthroned on the praises of your people. Even though I can't feel you right now, I know you're here because I'm in the midst of your people. That is why we come here this morning. When our, Gerald Wilson wrote this, and I think this is profound. When our faith is undermined by our circumstances, and we are tempted to despair altogether, sometimes our only remaining hope is to place ourselves within the worshiping community of God's people. There He is praised, even if we are unable to praise Him. There the mighty acts of God are proclaimed, even when we cannot see them. There God is present. Here, God is present Even if he feels absent to you right now, he is present. And this community surrounds you. And his presence surrounds you right here, right now. We do church so that we can pray together. And John mentioned the prayer team earlier. This prayer team, this isn't available. This is vital A couple weeks ago, at the end of gathering, I came up for prayer because I, I had a lot of things on my mind about the things I needed to do. And Mike and Deanne brought the presence of God into my life and reminded me who I am, who God is, and that God was with me even though I was distracted by all the things I needed to do. And so I left out of this place knowing I was in the presence of God and his presence was going with me. Our prayer team isn't just available, it is necessary. That's what we do as we gather together. We can practice God's presence in our daily lives. There are some great disciplines such as centering prayer, which is basically just shutting up and listening and just putting yourself in the presence of God. Or the prayer of examine, where you invite the Holy Spirit to take you through your previous day and say, God, where were you present? I need to notice where you were present. And where did I feel like you weren't present? We can also pick out reminders. What are things that remind us of God's presence? So even though this phone is a distraction to me, I have an alarm that goes off at 11.13 every day and reminds me to pray for the Holy Spirit. So it can actually help me enter back into the Lord's presence. I know Lindsay Smith was talking about the importance of birds for her, that they remind her of God's presence. Scripture, we read Scripture because it is the manger that bears the word. Jesus is present in the Scripture, so we encounter his presence. We encounter his presence that we share stories. Write the story of your life and note how God was present because that becomes an anchor for you to remind you of how God has worked. We'll show you how God desires to work right now and how he will work in the future. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Surely, goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. You live in the house of God through Christ forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.